Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Well, welcome. It's a great day. But the times that we live in are really difficult, aren't they? I don't know that I've ever lived in a moment in time, and it seems like I've lived for a long time, man, more uncertainty than ever before. And so I want to talk to you this morning about understanding our times. What's going on? What's happening? My board doesn't want to work. I'll let them try to fix it upstairs. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. You have it there in your notes and at home. If you, uh, you can download the notes, there's a way to do that. So just look on your screen. There should be a link that takes you to that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I don't know about you, but I need spiritual wisdom and understanding. I, I, I need some clarity. Uh, Brennan Manning relates a story about a man who went to work for three months with the House of the Dying, Mother Teresa's place, and uh, there in Calcutta, and he was seeking for a clear answer of how to spend the rest of his life. And um, one of the mornings there, Mother Teresa came up to him, and she asked, uh, you know, what can I do for you? And the man said, would you pray for me? And she responded, well, what would you like for me to pray for you about? And he said, look, I've traveled all this way from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. And she looked at him and firmly said, no, I won't pray that. Why, he said. Well, clarity's the last thing you're clinging to, and you need to let go of it. The man commented, well, you always seem to have clarity. You always seem to have what I'm really looking for. And she laughed and she said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you will trust God. And if you and I need clarity today, we need to let go of it because we don't live by understanding everything, we live by faith. We trust God. Now there's a scripture that I think is one of the defining scriptures of, uh, in the Bible that gives us some insight and understanding to what's going on. It's a very simple scripture. Let me try this one more time, okay, still nothing, so we're just gonna ignore that the rest of the day, okay? Oh, there it is, wow. It's a miracle. John 10, 10 gives us the clarity, the understanding. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's it. That's an understanding that you and I need to grab a hold of today. So first of all, let's look at Satan's purpose. Satan's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. In the very beginning, God made Adam and Eve and this world that we live in and all of creation, and it was perfect. Everything was right. There was no nothing wrong with it. God said it was good. 
The only little stipulation that he had was, there's a tree over here. I do not want you to eat of it. Why did he do that? Because he gave them a free will. He said, look, I want you to love me. I'm going to love you. I want you to do that of your own volition because love cannot be forced. And I'm going to give you a free will. And so everything was perfect in the garden. God even came down at times and fellowshiped with them. That had to be a wonderful experience. But one day, the serpent, Satan, showed up. And what's his purpose? Steal, kill, destroy. And he said, did God really say? Is that really important? You must have misunderstood. God just knows that if you do that, you're going to be like Him. You're going to have understanding and deceived them. Eve ate. Adam ate. And He stole and He killed and He destroyed this world. He did not have their best interest at heart. He was not caring about them. He was not trying to help them. He was trying to hurt them. And the moment that happened, sin entered this world. And what does sin do? Steals, kills, and destroy. God gave them the gift of freedom, but that gift led to a lot of pain and suffering. And mankind's disobedience doesn't bring anything but destruction. And God said, look, because you've done this, you're going to have to suffer the consequences of sin. He cursed the earth. He gave Eve and Adam both understanding, because you've done this, this is what's going to happen. Because you acted like this, this is what's going to take place. And from that moment on, everything changed. And that moment has been at work throughout the history of mankind. Creation is cursed, it's contaminated because of sin, because sin has horrible consequences, and it steals, it kills, it destroys. You see, because of sin, we have a hurricane season. Isn't that wonderful? Because of sin, we have environmental issues. You see, the earth has been cursed. It's self-destructing. It's going to happen. And so we have all these things going on. Why did COVID come? Because of sin. Because of sin, there is disease in this world today. Because of sin, there is death. We have racism because of sin. Plain and simple. Mankind not able to love one another. We have riots because of sin. We have people doing harm to others because of sin. We try to redefine sexuality because of sin. We're selfish. We're spoiled brats. That would have been a, yes, you're right, I am. <laughs> See, I got a little almost two-year-old grandson. He is a spoiled brat. He has a, a papa who is a spoiled brat. That's who we are because of sin. People are unwilling to forgive 
because of sin. Hurt happens because of sin. God does not cause tragedy. It's because of sin. Now, He allows it, but we are promised that He will use it to work out everything for good. And so you and I understand that in this world today that we live in that's confusing and we look around and wondering what is happening and what's going on and what's taking place, we have to understand that the underlying cause of it all is the sin factor. Sin is horrible. Now, man does everything that he can to diminish the consequences of it. He does everything he can to say, well, it's not sin, it's a mistake. We, we, mankind does everything it can to say, oh, that's just not the way it is. But the underlying factor, biblically, is a sin issue. And so what we see going on in this world today can very easily be attributed to the fact that sin entered this world and is still at work, and Satan is still doing everything he can to every human being alive and to this planet. I want to steal. I want to steal away from what God has promised to people. I want to kill. I want to destroy things. And that's what he's still doing. And that's how he's still working and that still is at play in the world today. Satan's purpose, plain and simple, steal, kill, destroy. Pretty simple. That's what he wants to do. Steal, kill, destroy. But what God's purpose? My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. What a contrast, huh? What a difference. God wants to give you a great life. God wants to give you hope and joy and peace. Satan wants to just rob you of what God wants to offer you. And these two are at conflict and still at war, and there still is a struggle and a battle going on. And so Jesus says, I want to give you that kind of life. This is what I want to do. So understanding that, what do we do? How should we operate in the days and time in which we live? I want to give you three things that become critical in these moments for you and I to put into place into our lives so that we can best enjoy a rich and satisfying life in the midst of a time where it becomes more evident that the enemy is doing everything he can to rob us of what God offers us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. John writes this great passage. And I'm going to take it out, everything out of this passage, so let's go through it here this morning. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Why does God come? So we can have life, right? A rich and satisfying life, a great life. And this is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He is in us. Furthermore, 
we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. We put our trust in His love. God is love. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully entered into or experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? So out of that text, let's look at three things that need to happen in our lives today. Number one, we are to express God's love. God so loved the world that He gave. Love always gives. And in the text it said, you know what? Since God loved us that much, we ought to love each other. Now, this word love has to be defined because, you know, we all have different issues and different definitions of it. You know, as you saw a little earlier, I I love the Packers. I love my wife. Those two loves better not be the same. Right? I love God. I love steak. I love Mexican. I love Italian. I love Chinese. I I love, you know, I love all that food. So we throw that word around. But what does it really mean biblically? Well, I didn't put it in your notes. You know it by now in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And so we're given a great commandment. Love God with all your heart with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your spirit, and love others in the same manner. Think of others more than yourself. Put others first. And so you and I are called to live a life of love. God, help us see people as you see them. And here's what we know about God. God loves everyone. Now, I shouldn't have to make this statement, but let me make it nonetheless. If you call yourself a Christian, you cannot be a racist. You just can't. God loves everyone the same. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what they look like. 
God loves people. And Jesus Christ came to this earth to die and give his life so that no one would perish, but everyone would have eternal life. That's the love of God. And that's the love you and I are called to have in our lives. A love that goes beyond every border that mankind and sin wants to establish. That we are people who are willing to listen to others and to have compassion for others. Jesus died for all. And the Scripture, in fact, says they're going to know you're a Christian by the way you love others. And so, in a world that we live in, we are called that no matter what happens, we love people. Well, but they did this, and they said that, and they acted like this. That's what sin does, doesn't it? We still love them, correct? Right. And God gave His life, and you and I are to do the same. And so we are to develop a love that is willing to think of others more than I think of myself. Okay, let me say it. I'll, I'll just say it this way. Something as simple as wearing a mask. Now, we didn't demand that you wear one. It's your call. It doesn't matter to me. But sometimes we're asked to do things not because of us, but because of others. Because it's not about us. It's about others. And so when I make decisions and choices in life, I'm not just making them for me. I have to make them for others. And you've heard me say this often. The moment you become selfish in life, you begin to self-destruct. You begin to enter into that life that Satan wants you to have, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants you to become a person who thinks your opinion is more important than what anybody else thinks or says or does, that your way is right, and you begin to operate in a way that is self-loving rather than God-loving and people-loving. And in these days and times in which we live, in all days and times in which we live, you and I are called to love people, period. Not our definition of love, but God's definition of love. In fact, the Bible just has, you know, these one another phrases all throughout it. Love one another, build up one another, accept one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, be kind to one another, comfort one another, encourage one another. And so Christians are called to be people who love others all the time, who think of others more than we think of ourselves, who are willing to serve others before we serve ourselves. Jesus Christ came into this world to save people. And why did he do that? because he loves people. And John says, since God loved us that much, surely we also ought to love each other. No way around it. A Christian loves others and operates in a manner that always demonstrates the love of God. Because when you love like that, you have a rich and satisfying life.
When you don't, Satan will steal, he will kill, he will destroy your relationships, he will hurt you, he will make sure there's people around to hurt you, you will have excuses, you will do everything that you can do to get your way. Love sacrifices itself for others. And so in these days and times, we are called to be a people who express the love of God because love has to be demonstrated. And so that's what we do. Secondly, we're to enact God's principles. In verse 17, John said, you know what? We live in God, and as we live in Him, our love grows more perfect. So we'll not be afraid. We can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Every day, we are to be a little bit more like Jesus. Every day, my goal in life is to act like Jesus. I want to apply biblical principles in my life every day. I want to demonstrate God's presence in my life. I want to become mature in Christ. I want to do everything that I can to please God, to obey God, because when I do that, I get a rich and satisfying life. When I do things God's way and not my way, life is so much better. But when I try to get my way thinking my way is going to give me the life that I want, when I try to redefine things and try to make my own way and make up my own rules and try to say, this is how I want to live and this is what I think is right and this is how I think it should be, I end up killing life. But when I obey God and follow His principles and put them into practice, I get a life that is incredible. Well, you know, I, I understand that, but, you know, I want to do this, and I think it's this way, and I think everybody should act like this, and I think this is the way things should be, and, and here's a hard thing to learn, that my little two-year-old grandson has to learn and that his papa has to learn. You ready? This is deep. I don't get to make the rules. When I start making the rules, I mess things up. When I follow God's rules, life is good. And we live a righteous life that is filled with a world of unrighteousness. We set a standard that is high we set the bar really high. We live according to what God says, not according to what other people do. We're not like everybody else. I've heard this several times when we start talking about opening the service and everything and, and the whole mass thing and social distancing thing and people would say, well, you know what? I go into Walmart and I go into Home Depot and I go into Lowe's and I go in all these places and people aren't doing that and people aren't doing this. And that. I don't say anything, but here's what I think. That's fine. We're not Walmart. We're not Home Depot. We're the church. 
and we set a standard that's higher than everybody else. It's not impossible because in John, what did he say? He has placed his Holy Spirit in our life to help us, to direct us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to counsel us, to show us how to live. And so when I put God's principles into place, I get to live a life of righteousness, not self-righteousness, never thinking I'm better than anybody else, never judging somebody else for what they're doing. I don't have time for that. I got all my time taken up with just trying to keep me where I need to be. And so during these times, I can't get caught up in all the stuff going on because what is my priority in life? My priority is to love God, to love people, and to live a life that God is pleased with, no matter what happens, no matter what's taken place. That keeps life really simple. It also keeps life good. Thirdly, we are to exist with godly confidence. Godly confidence. God is still in control. Christ has conquered. You and I do not live in fear. We put our trust in a living God. We live in times of uncertainty, but God's not confused. God knows what's going on. God's still going to take care of things. He knows the timing and events of things that are going to happen. All I need to do is to trust Him. Well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And what do you think? I don't know, but I know God's in control. I know why things are going on. Sin has entered this world, and sin steals, kills, and destroys. And we see it more evident day by day. But God is on the throne. And Jesus Christ came so that you and I could have a rich and satisfying life no matter what is going on around us. Nothing is certain. But yet I live with the certainty that God is in control. And that I can trust Him and He will take care of me. Well, Pastor, what happens if you catch something and you die? Well, as I read the Bible, Paul always says, if that happens, I win. So you and I, in these times of uncertainty, have things that we have never seen before, have to do church like we've never done it before, and yet God is still on the throne. God is still in control, and I will trust Him, and I get to live with confidence. I do not have to be afraid, because perfect love cast out all fear. There's the story of a visiting pastor who attended a, a men's breakfast in the middle of a rural farming area in the country, and he was asked to be the speaker, and the group was meeting, and they had asked an older farmer to uh, say grace at the morning breakfast. 
So the farmer stands up and he begins his prayer with, Lord, I hate buttermilk. The farmer kind of raised his head and opened one eye and kind of looked and said, what's going on here? And then the farmer loudly proclaimed, and Lord, I hate lard. The pastor's growing a little concerned and thinking, what did I get myself into? And without missing a beat, the farmer continues and says, and Lord, I don't care much for raw flour either. By this time, the pastors noticed a certain uncomfortableness in the room. But then the farmer added, but Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love warm, fresh biscuits. <laughs> so Lord, when things come up that we don't like, when life gets hard, when we can't understand what you're saying to us, Help us to just relax and wait until you're done mixing. It's probably going to be better than the biscuits. You know, the enemy's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is still at work in the world today to give to us a rich and satisfying life. We don't have to be afraid. We can live with love. And we can live a life that honors God in everything we do and say. So be at ease. The Lord is mixing several things together that we don't really care for. But one day, it's going to all come together. And it's going to be even better. We have a hope. We have something to look forward to. God is still in control. And he is at work in us to give us a rich and satisfying life. Now, make no mistake about it. Satan's still trying to work in every one of our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. But greater is he that is in us is greater than the one who is in the world today. Have hope. Be assured. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for the time that we live in. We don't understand it. We look around and get confused. We look with uncertainty at everything that's happening and the world today but Lord we see what sin does but help us to also see that that's why Jesus Christ came he came and died on a cross so that we could have life Lord there might be some that are listening here today who need that life that you're offering they're scared they're afraid, they're confused, they're anxious, they're trying to do everything on their own and come up with their own answers. And they need to come to you and accept the life that you offer to them. Not a life to make you miserable, but to make it rich and satisfying. Help them to make that choice today. 
for others, maybe they've allowed fear to enter in. Would you help them to deal with that? Some have lost the love that you want us to have for others. May we never give up on that and may our love just grow more and more. Some maybe have just started living a life that isn't pleasing to you. Help us to get back on track. So Lord, thank you today that we know that you're taking care of it all and you will help us. You will take care of us and we get to have a life, a rich and satisfying life because of Jesus Christ today. In thy name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.